Want to know how to make some quick money on Amazon without a big investment? Today's guest is going to give us one of the options, and it's a way that I used to gross $30,000 the last couple weeks on one product with a net profit of $9,000. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. We've got a super serious seller here. I mean, he has a sense of humor, too, but but he's serious in the sense that he's a big baller. Andy, back on the podcast. How's it going, Andy? Good. Thanks for having me back, Bradley. I always enjoy talking with you on the Serious Seller Podcast. Love it. Love it. Now, uh, we're not, you know, usually when we have guests on here, we'll go a lot into their their backstory and their history. But we actually have had Andy before. It's been a little over a year since he's been on the show. So, guys, if you want to learn more about Andy's backstory, make sure to uh, check out episode 72 uh, of the podcast and you can get some information. But this episode, I wanted to to kind of let, like see what you've been up to the last year and then also really uh, double down on on uh, a couple things that you talked about last time, but that I've been trying to delve into, mainly like retail arbitrage and online arbitrage here. So first of all, Andy, how have you and your family been getting through this ridiculous year of 2020? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you, you just kind of surviving. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's It's been okay. Uh, maybe because I, I work from home uh, mainly, and so not a lot of difference there. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely the challenging part for us is we haven't been able to travel like you. Uh, we mm-hmm. like to travel um, as a family, and I love traveling to Amazon seller conferences. And yep. we both know over the last year those have not been existent. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's it's tough. Like your your family is actually almost like a not complete mirror image, but I think you've got a son and a daughter almost the same ages. Like mine are 16 and 19 now, uh, yours too? Yes, yes. And so does your son play any sports? He does. He's a, he's a football player and, and now he's in basketball. So he's um, in basketball season. Um, oh, yeah, it's I'm so, so it mad I live in California because you <laughs> see, you're, you're still in Pennsylvania? Yes. You see, like they there's been no school sports here. So like this was supposed to be the year my son was really going to, take a step up you know, he's probably you know, i would say maybe even conference player of the year for his basketball oh, wow, uh, conference wow. but they haven't even had the football season yet and they just yes. announced another delay so they can't have basketball until the football season has happened and they haven't even had that yet so like i'm really worried that there's the sports are going to be canceled overall here in california but yeah i mean that and it hurts kids so much and mm-hmm. I, you know i i hope uh, it gets cleared up hopefully the vaccine gets um disseminated quickly Yes, absolutely. Now, we're not here to talk about our, our kids' uh, uh, sports accomplishments as much as I'm sure both of us would would like to here, but we're talking about serious strategies, and so I would first of all like to, I heard through the grapevine, I don't know if this is true, did you get like a new warehouse, or did you upgrade your warehouse, or are you still in that same one? Yeah, so we're just, we keep accumulating more space there. I think we're up to 25,000 square feet now. Uh, you know, wow. thankfully, the business has grown like a lot of online folks. And then, uh, and then we also now have a third-party warehouse in Seattle as well as Texas. So trying to reach all areas of the country within two to three days. So this is for for like 
customers who are using you to to fulfill and things like that and to store things or this is for your own business as well you, you store your 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 stuff at these different warehouses yeah this is this is for our our private label brand i i we have a brand um i'm building with my nephew partner um nathan um and so yeah we we actually do a lot of merchant fulfilling uh to customers direct um as well as like we saw like kind of the writing on the wall and i know you've talked about it a number of times on your podcast that uh you know delivery services like ups fedex they're struggling a little bit yep um and and amazon we know it's fascinating you know their prime is no longer two-day prime anymore i don't know if you've noticed that you've probably talked about yep, it on your yep. podcast but it's becoming like three four five day prime and a lot of times um, on various listings now, they'll actually list a merchant fulfilled yep. um, ahead of a prime, you know, depending on the location of that seller. So, I mean, we yeah. just see that that's a big need for for sellers as you grow. That's unprecedented. Like th there's always been like, okay, well, if you've got a prime listing and then you've also got a SKU that's fulfilled by merchant and you know, like if for whatever reason, you know, the, the fulfilled by merchant SKU is like maybe $4 less or something. Yeah. Maybe that'll get the buy box. Or if the inventory is like in transit or being checked in and it's not fully checked in, maybe the fulfilled by merchant will, will have the buy box. But now what I'm seeing is you'll have, you know, it's a hundred percent available in FBA and it's the same price as fulfilled by merchant and the fulfilled by merchant will get the buy box because th their shipping times are kind of delayed. So in Amazon's mind, they're like, we're going to show the fulfilled by merchant because actually the merchant fulfilled will get to the customer before the prime. And that's just, that's never happened in my personal experience. I've ever seen before this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I never thought I would see the day that that happened. Um, but you know, again, that's probably a COVID related situation. So then the reason why you, you have the the diversified warehouses. Is that, are you doing one of those, like, I don't even know if they have it anymore, but like, you know, seller fulfilled prime, prime on site, or that's just to, to save money on just regular postage and shipping fees so that you can geographically, you know, ship things out closer. Yes. So that's the main reason we, we merchant fulfill uh, probably about 50% of our products. Uh, and so, um, and they're, they're larger, they're, they're oversized. So we wanted to be able to reach those customers um, in, in you know in a much quicker way. And then the other one, like the the warehouse we have in Seattle, it's great because the shipping times from China are so much faster. So we're like in central Pennsylvania. When I place a container order, it can take anywhere from forty five to fifty five days. Mm -hmm. You know, by the wow. time it gets to Baltimore, whereas in Seattle, it's usually getting there in about fifteen to twenty days. So, you know, being able to uh, shorten that supply chain definitely is very advantageous for cash flow. Okay. That's, that's interesting to know. I mean, just in general, it's almost a necessity nowadays to, to either be able to store your own products at your facility and ship them like either in your garage, or if you've got a warehouse in the back of your house, like I do, or, or you use a third-party logistics warehouse just because of that 200 uh, inventory limit, you know, like everybody in the past. Right. Hey, right. uh, the beauty about Amazon is I'm going to buy a thousand units. I never even have to see one of them. I'm just going to send it directly from the factory to uh, Amazon. But you can't do that anymore because, you know, for, for the time being, you've got that 200 inventory limitation for new items. So, like, if you guys are not able to store your products locally, you're kind of screwed nowadays. Yeah, I'm surprised Amazon really didn't institute that sooner. 
because look, they don't want to be like a storage facility. We we all know that you know those storage facilities nationwide are growing like crazy because people have so much stuff. Amazon wants stuff that they are going to get into their warehouse and they're going to ship out, right? Uh, so yep. it only makes sense for them to to institute those type of numbers. Now it's not a perfect system. Uh, you know, and it's still computer algorithm can get messed up sometimes, but, uh, but it's actually, I think very smart of them to do that. Okay. So the guys, you know, we, we talk a little bit about doing fulfilled by merchant and warehousing in that last episode with Andy and I've talked about that throughout the, the last couple of years, even before uh, COVID, I've always been a big fan of, of dual listing your items because regardless, even under normal circumstances, guys, remember if you've got like, you know, a $15, $20 product and you don't, and and the customer does not have prime, well, when they add it to their shopping cart, they're going to like have like a, you know, sometimes five, six, seven, eight, $10 shipping fee added to it. And then when they see that, they're like, oh no, I'm not going to buy this. You know? So, so always have both. If you have the ability to have both SKUs that you're offering because it's going to save you from some lost sales that you might be getting from from people who don't have Amazon Prime as well. Well, I'll say this too, it minimizes your risk. Sure. You know, when if you have all of your eggs in the Amazon warehouse and something, you know, for whatever reason happens, you're just at a lot more risk. You know, whether your listing gets shut down and you have to recall all those units by having it in a third-party warehouse, it gives you a lot more leverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit Let's switch from warehouse to to arbitrage, and and just for for people who are are new and maybe they only know about private label, what exactly do we mean when we use the words online arbitrage and retail arbitrage? Yeah, sure. So that's how I got started on Amazon. You know, and it's the old adage: buy low, sell high. Uh, there are still a number of Amazon sellers that have really multi million dollar businesses. Uh, I actually work with some. Um, and uh, a good friend of mine, he's going to do over 10 million. And it's basically just buying at stores, buying at outlets, buying at Walmart, buying at Target, big box stores, and then reselling those products. And, uh, and the whole arbitrage part is, you know, it's supply and demand. And so in one part of the country, a Walmart may be clearancing out their toy section. And, uh, and that availability at that price is not going to be the same as another part of the country who's not clearancing out, you know, their toy section. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Amazon, it's so powerful and the prices are still at a premium that um, it's just a great model. I personally think it's the best model to learn Amazon, to learn the ecosystem, um, you know, to understand what the best seller rank is because you're selling those name brand products that you don't have to run. The best part is you don't have to run any PPC for it, right? Yeah, you know what? I, I've I've been recently getting into online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, and even like some drop shipping. And and it's just opened up my eyes to like the possibility. There's this one product that uh, I was doing earlier this month. It's, it's it's called this Monster Jam Megalodon Storm something remote control car, right? So I saw it was going on sale in Target and Walmart for like 43 bucks. And then it got sold out. On, on Amazon from, from whoever is the regular seller. I think it might be a, an Amazon fulfilled or Amazon vendor central product. And just in a, like a two week period of time, I generated $31,000 of sales on this one product and it was selling on Amazon. I was selling on Amazon for a hundred, uh, from 95 to $105 and I was buying it retail from 
Walmart and Target for only $43. Now, I was doing some drop shipping where that even gave me more profit because uh, Target and Walmart were, were, were offering free uh, shipping. So it was basically $43 is all I was paying. And then, but then like when it ran out, like it ran out at Walmart and Target online. So what I did was I could see on Target and Walmart that it was available in local stores. And me and my kids, we just went all over San Diego, you know, over a couple of days and just tried to buy as many as possible. Mm -hmm. And then we would just ship it ourselves and we would still make you know money, even though now we're paying like $10 shipping. But I was just like, I was like, how is this real life? I mean, how can this much money be made? Like, I think I grossed, uh, yeah, like I grow, you know, $9,000. I'm looking at my Helium 10 profits account right now on this one product in like about three weeks. Now, I'm sure you have even better uh, examples. I remember you had one from Home Depot you talked about as before, and you were doing something like with a Nerf uh, product this year or something. Yeah. I mean, I've sold um, over the past year. So this is the sixth year that I'm selling on Amazon now. Uh, Nerf guns, Legos, um, Nike shoes. I mean, you, you pretty Disney products. Almost everything that's out there, you know, if it's out there, I've sold it before. What I love about it is, especially folks that are new to Amazon, you you know that I've I've taught folks how to how to mm -hmm. private label, um, and how to get into the private labeling business. And, and for me, teaching folks how to private label, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, especially folks that don't have a lot of business experience or a lot of capital. So if you come in with business experience, if you come with capital, I think getting into private label is a great way to go. However, if you don't have retail or business experience, it can be a challenge. And, and you know, doing arbitrage, I mean, from day one, we, we run a group where there are literally almost on a weekly basis, new sellers who've been selling less than a year who are climbing over a million dollars in gross sales wow. doing exactly what you're talking about. And these are mm -hmm. new sellers. So I think that's what the great opportunity is for arbitrage. Absolutely. Now here's a question though, because everybody would be doing it if it was just completely easy. But here's the thing. It's not, it's not exactly something that anybody can do. And there are risk involved in it, you know, too, you know, like, like returns and people upset and, and, people not getting the product. Can you talk a little bit first? Just We like to keep it real here. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not, sure. Amazon is not all unicorns and rainbows. What are the <laughs> risks and some of the bad things that you've had to deal with that people need to know about before they just like go all in and like, hey, I'm going to be uh, arbitrage for life? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like any business model, there's, there's challenges, you know, and some of the, some of the um, unique challenges now to doing retail arbitrage on Amazon is if you're a newer seller, you're gated in a lot of categories. So it's going to take some grind and grit to get ungated in those categories. Now, thankfully, there are ways to do it. You know, you basically just purchase products from a wholesaler. So you have to have a sanitized invoice. Uh, and, and then you have to, you know, open up multiple cases with Amazon because a lot of times they'll say no. So, you know, getting able to sell in those categories, getting able to sell those brands, it does take a little bit of work. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it's not it's not the easiest thing ever. But out of all the business models that I see out there, um, as long as you're willing to put in the effort, because like you just said, like even shopping, you know, mm -hmm. not everyone are natural born shoppers, but like yeah. that takes some patience, you know, you're waiting in line. Um, and then the actual shipping part of it is not easy, you know, until you start to grow to a level where, you know, you can drop your products off somewhere and have them prep it, send it into Amazon. Um, you know, it's actually when you're shipping and you're bending over and if you don't have your tables at the right height, you know, your lower back is going to, you know, hurt a little bit at the yeah. end of the night. 
But as you grow, you know, just like any business, again, the, the right way to grow is you start to hire folks that are going to do that. And, you know, you um, utilize what you're best at, which is, I personally think for all Amazon sellers, sourcing products. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the biggest reasons, I mean, it, it's kind of like a, almost a paradox. Like, it's a great way for somebody who wants to do private label, but they don't have enough funds to like drop, you know, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, you know, in, in a private label product. It's like, hey, build up your, your cash flow. But for, new, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but 100% of new Amazon accounts, don't they have like in the beginning, the first few months, like a rolling reserve on your, your sales? Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting too. Amazon does that differently now. Like some new accounts, they have like daily payouts. You know, I don't know what, oh, wow. you know, their, that. yeah, what their rhyme or reason is, but yeah, you will have a rolling average. Um, and so, you know, my advice always is you, you have to look at it as a real business. Uh, you know, if you are at that level where you're just bootstrapping, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to just have to understand that you're going to snowball all of your profits back into the business. If you want to grow it, if you want to become a million dollar business, you know, within 12 to 16 months, then just be ready to have an income from somewhere else. So that way you can just keep reinvesting all your profits right back into the business. Okay. Okay. So in your experience lately, I know you deal with uh, a lot of new sellers uh, as well. Like what is that reserve been lately and how long until it gets removed? Like, is it 50% of your sales or is it just a set dollar amount or what have you seen lately? Yeah. So I, I think it's, uh, I don't quote me on this, but I, I want to say it's about 30% and they hold it for a, like a rolling two weeks. So okay. they basically release it every two weeks. That's how it actually is on, on the uh, private label brand that, that we're building right now. Okay. Okay. So then what would, I'm not saying uh, that, you know, to the new sellers, no, you absolutely under no circumstances could use arbitrage if you're new and it won't work out. No, uh, I'm sure that there's a path to it, but what would your kind of like, you know, Andy's five steps be of how somebody, even with that reserve, how they can still stay, you know, a little bit profitable and build up some capital using the arbitrage method. Yeah, sure. So it's similar to private label, you know, you, you make your money in the buy, uh, you know, so the first thing, just like I'm sure you always teach is you have to understand the best seller rank. Amazon's the only platform that gives that no other sales channel gives us the BSR and you can um, extrapolate so much data from that BSR. And now there's apps, you know, that you can use that will help you um, extrapolate that data even faster. And so you have to, you make your money in the buy, you know, just like the product that you mentioned earlier, uh, you saw the buy price and you saw the, you know, the sale price on Amazon. So you went really deep. Um, and, uh, and in order to grow an arbitrage business, you know, what we generally counsel is at first you just stay shallow. So, you know, you don't go as deep as like you went, but you're, you know, you're a seasoned veteran seller, but if you stay shallow, you're going to learn a little more. But then as you grow, there are opportunities where you are going to have to take risk just like you did. And you're going to have to go deep. And when you hit that product that you're able to go deep on and those margins are good, that's when your cash flow is going to increase tremendously, um, you know, rather than staying kind of wide and shallow, which I think most it's the smartest way to do it um, if you're a new seller just starting on Amazon. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. So now somebody's like, all right, I just heard that from Andy. It sounds pretty good. I think I might be able to 
to to do this. I want to get started now. Let me let me just tell you what I did recently. First of all, I've got I've got like this team of people who work on it, and and I didn't teach them how to do it. They like do it. They came to me like, hey, we'd love to use your Amazon account, and and we can help you find deals and stuff. And so they like use whatever they're doing. I don't even know how they do it, you know, to to find these. But nice. some of the stuff that I've done is like, you know, when the Black Friday deals came out with Walmart and Target, I would just kind of like scan those, and then I would use. Helium 10 and just Amazon to kind of like look, uh, what's the situation on Amazon? And I could see that somewhere out of stock, I could use the Helium 10 Chrome extension and I could see the history of the price so that I could see, oh, wow, this thing normally, you know, is this, is, is this price and now it's this price. So like, I know there's going to be some opportunity. So I would like do mainly looking at those Black Friday deals to see what I could get at a discount. But but for, you know, Black Friday is only once a year, Cyber Monday is only once a year. Under the rest of the, the year, how does one find these opportunities in order to know what they can, you know, what, what they should uh, source. Yeah, sure. So I, we actually, we run a number of lists. So we, we have VAs that are constantly searching various websites and looking for those op arbitrage opportunities. And then they mail those out to our members every single day. So, you know, some of our members belong to 10 lists. So every day they're getting eight to 10 potential, what we call online arbitrage opportunities. Um, you know, and so that's what I do. I don't do much retail arbitrage anymore. Uh, just because I'm too busy with my private label business, but I will still do online arbitrage and my kids actually will will do the shipping and, and they'll send it in my Amazon account. So that's one way. So there's a number of online arbitrage sellers that have their own VAs, you know, who they train yeah. on how to go to different websites, right? To be able to find find those buys. And, you know, again, like a lot of times online arbitrage is a little harder because it's like easier fruit to pick. And so, you know, when you buy that product, there might be other sellers, you know, who've identified sure. that opportunity as well. Uh, however, just like anything, like as you grow, as you get better at it, there's amazing opportunity. A guy I partner with, Gary Ray, he's going to sell two million dollars this year and it's all online arbitrage and wow. and, he, and he doesn't touch any of the product and so and and at the end of the day he's going to make probably about 150,000 from mm -hmm. that but he's not doing any of the work so he has people that are sourcing the list people that are shipping packing um and so yeah there's a ton of opportunities so, so then what does he do then so so he his team finds opportunity and then they list it on Amazon. And then if there's a sale, then they buy it and then they ship it to the customer? Or No, or, they're or, not drop shipping. No, he he actually is acquiring the product. So wow. he sends it to a warehouse. So that warehouse will, you know, label it or delabel it, send it into Amazon. Um, and uh, yeah, no, when he buys it, the margin is there. He's not buying it, hoping that it's going to be there. It's actually physical product that he's sending into Amazon. Wow. Okay. That's, 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 that's pretty amazing. What, what about you yourself? What, what's your, I mean, we're, we're coming up on the end here of, of December. What do you think your, your, your revenue will have been for this year with the different models, you know, be it private label, uh, yes. online arbitrage, et cetera. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in, in private label. Uh, okay. I, I actually, I have a brand that I'm, um, in the middle of selling. So we're pretty close. I'm working with the guys at recon brands, dot uh, mm -hmm. com. I don't know if you know them at all. They're actually in Southern California. Um, so it's a terrific company. We're really close. It's a brand that I've had since I started selling on Amazon, basically. But it's one like I just kind of just been milking along and haven't been real passionate about. However, yeah. it has a lot of potential. So 
uh, you know, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm going to um, hopefully within the next few weeks get a definite offer uh, from them. So I'm excited about that. But there's a brand that I'm building with my nephew. We're going to do 10 million um, at, by the end of December um, on Amazon as well as on Shopify. About two and a half years ago, we sat down and we said, hey, look, where do we want to spend our time? So we, we do offer a number of Amazon services for Amazon sellers. We like it. We enjoy it. But we said, hey, look, what is going to give us the biggest bang for the buck when it mm -hmm. comes to our time? Now, we've been um, building smaller private label brands. He had his Amazon account. I had my Amazon account. And we said, you know what? You know, we, we see the space. We see what other sellers are doing. We said, let's just go all in and build a brand the right way. Uh, so that was two and a half years ago. And uh, and now by the end of this year, we'll, we'll be at 10 million. And hopefully by end of 2021, we'll be at 15 to 16 million. We see a lot of room for growth. And, uh, you know, and, and because of COVID, right, and all the online shopping habits, how much they've increased. It's almost like we, you know, fell again at the right place at the right time. And really e-commerce is, is in a golden age. So that's what I'm excited about. Look, it's what you talk about all the time, right? On your podcast. If, if folks really want to be all in, there is tremendous opportunity to build and grow brands on Amazon. I love it. I love it. All right, guys, quick break for my BTS. Remember, BTS means whatever you want it to mean. Bradley's 30 seconds or Bitcoin training sucks. I don't know whatever you want it to mean, but here's my 30 second hack. And this is going to be about the canonical URL. So the canonical URL, what is that? If you go on any link inside of Amazon, if you're on a desktop computer and you're searching around and you, you hit an Amazon listing, look at the URL on the top. And it's usually five words there as part of the URL. And those are a lot of times just random keywords taken from the title of an Amazon listing. But one of the ways that works like 75% of the time in order to kind of like lock in your canonical URL to hopefully get some rank juice on and off Amazon for those keywords is to make the first five words of your title and then follow it by a dash. All right. So it has to be full words, not like a and or the or I N or these short words or numbers, five full words and then a dash right after it. Wait for 48 hours and check your URL on Amazon and you should have a new URL and that's your canonical URL that is indexed on Google and search engines like Bing, etc. We're switching gears a, a little bit here going back to private label, which is just as good, but I think anybody hears there's a seller who has sold, you know, eight figures of product, I think they would be interested in your strategy too. So what, how did you find the one that you did with 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 Nate, like, how did you find that niche that it's in or that brand? Like, like, what made you choose it? What was your what was your process there? Yeah, so I mean, we've always, again, going back to the BSR, we've always said, like, look, don't reinvent the wheel, don't try to prototype or come up, you know, with something that's new. That's just not our strength. So we follow the BSR heavily, and then look for those niches that aren't hyper competitive. So, you know, for us, like that's how we we found the product. And, and then with this brand, we wanted to do it the right way. So we made multiple trips to China, um, you know, now having private label for six years and working with different factories in China. We felt like it was time that we actually begin to establish relationships and find the right factories to produce our products. Um, and so, I mean, that was a big investment. Um a big investment of time, you you know, uh, mm -hmm. when you travel. And, and for me, it was always, it's super hard because I don't like being away from my family. Um, yeah. But that paid big dividends. 
by by going to China, by visiting those factories, which is not the most sexy thing to do. Like some of them are way out in the middle of nowhere. It's dusty, kind of dirty, you know, in the factories. Um, But I think that's really allowed us to build the right right foundation. Excellent. Excellent. Now, what signifies opportunity to you? You know, like when you're using whatever, you know, your methodology is, you know, some people use Helium 10, some people just are are searching on Etsy or, or some people just, just go on Amazon. Like what are the characteristics that to yeah. you means, hey, there's some room for me to, to, to enter this niche? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we like to talk about the golden gaps. You know, when you use a search term on Amazon, what comes up on that listing or on that page uh, for the search results? You know, when you search massage gun, we all know there's going to be like 50 pages of almost the exact same thing. So that's not a game we want to get in. We do not. We understand some of those massage guns are selling a million dollars a month. Um, but that we don't want to get in that hyper competitive game. When mm-hmm. we search for the main keywords for whatever product we're trying to sell, we hope that a varied results will come back on that search page because then that tells us there's opportunity. Again, as long as we see one or two listings that are doing a decent amount of revenue, you know. So for us, like we don't want to put time in a product unless we see a listing on Amazon that's doing revenue of at least ten thousand dollars or more. Um, and then we definitely want to stay away from those hyper competitive. We rather have a higher price uh, product um, with um, with less competition than going for those hyper competitive niches, you know, like supplements or like something like a massage gun. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that's that, you just made me think of another question. It's like we always sometimes think about, hey, what are the characteristics of opportunity and and like what gets you excited. But let's flip the script. What's the opposite? What are things that you look for where, you know, you you might have stumbled on it, but you're like, nope, I'm not going to go here because this is hyper competitive. Like, like what makes you say that something, uh, what, you know, is it the number of reviews? Is it, is it the, the sales velocity? Is it, is it, uh, you know, maybe the, you know, how, how many people have the same exact kind of images? Like what are those things that you look for? Yeah. So first thing we're going to look for is, you know, are, are they running video ads? And I know you've you've talked mm. to a number of people that talk mm. about video ads. So if we we you know put in that search term and the search populates, it comes back and there's no video ad on the page, then that tells us there's an opportunity there that whatever sellers are selling that product, um, you know, if they've not taken the advantage of video ads yet, then they're probably not very good sellers. So uh, you know that tells us then that we can probably come in and market better than what is currently on Amazon. So that's kind of one tell. Then of course, we'll look at the other um, placements for PPC. Uh, we know that the PPC is still the black box. You don't know what you're gonna spend per click until you get that product in Amazon until it's live. Um, you know, there are some tools that will estimate it, but at the end of the day, you need to have that product yeah, live. Yeah. Um, the and- Amazon, the Amazon suggested bids are so much, like 50% of the time they're complete garbage. So you can't go, you can't go off of that. Right, right. Yeah. So, and and then we're going to look and see, like, does it look like there is a lot of private label sellers? Are there a million badges, you know, on the second image or even on the first image, um, you know, like the best seller badge, the typical kind of spammy stuff. And if we see a lot of those, then, you know, we probably aren't going to get into that product or into that niche because we don't want to do battle again with other sellers mm-hmm. who are kind of savvy in that way. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. So, Let's say 
you know, somebody who, who's listening to us, right? I, I want to give you a couple different avatars and, and you give your solution. So there is somebody out there right now who is been selling on Amazon private label already for like, you know, six months, but they've only been able to, to have launch one product because they're still trying to scale up. You know, maybe they're making, they're, they're projected to do hundred thousand, 150,000 for a year, you know, so, so nothing they can quit their job over, but how can they leverage retail or online arbitrage to help them scale faster? Like what, what would be their, like, what, what's your, Hey, take this step, take this step and then go for it. Like is the first step trying to find a VA who, who does this or can somebody do it on their own or what does that avatar do? Yeah. So, you know, so basically you're asking like, how, how do they build cash flow or how, how can they increase their yeah. capital? So, so they're already doing private label, yep. but they just heard us say that, Hey, you can, you could uh, scale your private label business even faster by building capital through online and retail arbitrage. So what would that kind of person who's already you know, somewhat successful on Amazon, but, but not nothing they can quit their day job over, how can they get to that point? using those methods. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, like when you're talking about online or retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, you're going to have to, um, like we just suggested, like you're going to have to figure out how to do it yourself by, you know, there are various tools out there in the space that you can use that will help you identify those potential opportunities, um, you know, by running, um, uh, by running on the various websites, right. And the comparing those sales to Amazon. So, that's one place to start. Uh, you know, if you've learned how to do it yourself, then like you just suggested by hiring a VAs and, uh, you can train them how to do it, you know, so that way, you know, you're getting lists that can be a little bit challenging though, unless you've hired a number of VAs, you always have to be careful, um, when you're hiring VAs, the source, because that VA may be working for five other sellers. So that, list that you think is dedicated, it could be being disseminated to five other sellers, right? Um, and so that that's something that you always have to be careful about. Uh, and then, you know, if you're here in, in the US, the, the best way, again, what I suggest is if you have the time, you know, the, the boots on the ground in the stores, that's going to be your best opportunity. So if you're just starting out, what we always say is just go to the clearance shelves first or go to, you know, at the end of the season, usually um, different um, categories, they're going to clearance out like a Walmart at the end of Christmas, they're going to clearance out their toys. That's how I actually started and really built up my capital fast. I hit a clearance sale at Walmart. All the toys were in the lawn and garden section, you know, and I was buying them like at 25%. So, you know, wow. if you want to do it fast and limit your competition, then I think doing RA is a great way to go. So then for that person who's already generating some money, what would be a good budget like to start like, hey, your first month, you know, be ready to put $4,000, $5,000 on your credit card, you know, as far as for, from buying these products, like what, what would be a realistic starting point for that kind of person? Yeah, I mean, I, every everyone I think is going to be different. It's just going to be, you know, kind of on your risk uh, tolerance level. Uh, but if you're able to put in two or three thousand uh, dollars, that's a great way. And again, you're buying name brand products and you're buying off of the Amazon BSR. So you definitely have to have a working knowledge of that. But if I buy a toy that's ranked four thousand um, and send that in Amazon. And as long as I'm price matching, you know, what the current price is, that toy is going to sell within one or two days. So you got to know the range. You got to know the categories to understand what your churn rate is going to be. But when you're buying name brand products at low BSR, it, you know, you're going to blow through that inventory quickly. Okay. All right. So there's one cohort or one, uh, 
one avatar there. Let's say somebody is listening now that they're not selling on Amazon yet. Their end game eventually is to get into private label, and and they you know the, they're working a, a tough job. They don't have much much money at all. Let's say they've only got you know maybe two three hundred dollars room on their credit card or or just just room overall that they want to start you know with the retail arbitrage. What should they do? Should should it should the first step be just clearance aisles and in 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 stores or or should they look at the online thing and just focus on one product and and, and put all their 200 300 in one product or or what would what would your advice yeah. be for somebody like yeah, that you know de it definitely start in stores and and now you're kind of talking to the bootstrapper who doesn't have a lot of money but hopefully you have more time if you have more time then you can buy um cautiously and to make sure that you're getting those right margins. Remember we said at the beginning that you really make your money in the buy. Um, if you have less money, what you need is more time. And how I started, I went to thrift stores and I went to garage sales and they're still viable today. And, and you know what? You can sell a lot of items used on Amazon. And if it's the right item, if it's dead tech, I, uh, early on, I sold thousands of dollars worth of dead tech that I would get at auctions and that I would get at garage sales. So your margins on those are massive. However, it's going to take you more time, right? It's like a treasure hunt. It's going to take you more time, but you're going to find those products that have higher margin, which then is going to allow you to build capital. Love it. I love it. Um, you've been giving us some, some great strategies throughout this. Uh, I thought we were just going to talk about the retail and online arbitrage, but we ended up talking about private label. We talked about warehousing and fulfilling by merchant. This is great. It's always great to have you on the show. Now we have the, I don't think we had this last time we uh, you were on the show, but we do this thing called the, or the TST 32nd tip. So what is something that you can say that's highly valuable, highly actionable, but will be 30 seconds or less for our listeners. Yep, sure. So one of the things that my partner and I have worked hard on this year is building out a team. So we realized we were the bottleneck to our business. So just since the beginning of the year, we now have 40 full-time team members who we have a graphics team, customer support, operations, marketing, product launch, inventory, social media team, and that has allowed us to scale up. And so if you are growing your business, don't be the bottleneck, be willing to um, you know, delegate some of the duties that you think that only you can do. And that's going to allow you to scale a lot faster. I love it. I love it. And if, if people want to reach out to you to, you know, to, to find out some more info on, on how you can help them and, you know, help them either with the retail arbitrage or with, with warehousing or just Amazon in general, how can they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Facebook. That's that's probably the best way. Um, the group that we partner with that teach people how to do online retail arbitrage called the Amazon Seller Tribe. Phenomenal group. That's where I hang out mostly. Um, again, working with sellers who are building million-dollar businesses just doing retail and online arbitrage. So you definitely look, look me up on Facebook or you can search the Amazon Seller Tribe. Awesome. All right, Andy. Well, uh, we definitely want you back on the show, maybe end of 2021, beginning of 2022. And let's see how that, that brand exit was, like how that worked out for you. That's so much like the rage nowadays is being able to sell your Amazon business for a nice payday. So I'd love to hear about that and, and see how your, your eight figure brand is doing as, as well as, uh, as see what's new in retail and online arbitrage as well. All right. Hey, Bradley, thanks so much for having me on. And I can't wait until the events start to open up again and I can come up to Helium 10 and visit you there in the headquarters.